everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Jesus Conversation Podcast. I am Brittany, and I am so glad you are tuning in to this episode. If this is your first time joining us or you're joining us for another episode, I want to welcome you and pray these stories you're about to hear will grow you closer to Jesus and bring you encouragement. On today's episode, I will be discussing Faith for the Promised Land, where I will be giving you guys all the details of what God has been revealing to us in our current season and how he is bringing us into our promised land. So we are doing something super unorthodox right now. We are selling a house without posting online about it anymore. Oh, and did I mention we're doing this for sale by owner? Yes, I know this sounds absolutely crazy, and it does to me too. But in order for you to see where I'm getting my confidence from in this season, I need to share with you guys what God has been showing me after we found out we were moving. So, recap from last episode. So I told you guys my husband had got promoted and we were moving to Odessa. And I would love to pick up from that very day when we found out we were leaving. So he got the call probably like 2 p.m. that day on June the 20th. And as he was still on the phone, I was on the phone with our realtor, right? Now wait, you just said, Brittany, that you're doing this for sale by owner. And you're right, I did. So just wait, hang tight. I promise this will make sense. So long story short, the next day we had the photos taking of the house. Um, the following day it was up on MLS and we took off that weekend to go and look for houses in Odessa. And that whole weekend goes by. And we even at one point put an offer in on a house that we saw. And I just, you ever do something and you think, dang it, I should have, I should have taken more time. You know, I should have really made sure that this was the right thing from God. This was the right decision. And so in that waiting period after we had, you know, thrown out this offer, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I, I probably should have taken a little more time for this. Um, do you mind just if something about this just isn't right, just please give us some kind of an idea, you know, let them counter and us just, you know, maybe take a chill pill on this point. So anyway, the next day uh, we're sitting down to, to eat and we get the phone call back that they have countered. So I tell my I tell my realtor down in Odessa, I said, hey, listen, I think we're just going to take a chill pill. Um, you know, we've had zero looks all weekend on our house. And um, come to find out, when we got back home from Odessa, our realtor hadn't even put out a sign. Like in our yard, she hadn't put a sign out on the main street where we live. And I don't know, y'all. Y'all ever just have a bad feeling that maybe two things don't mix well, kind of like oil and water? And so I called up our realtor, who we've used in the past, so that's why we went back to her, and I just said, hey, listen, just honest, I don't know if we're on the same page, like we're kind of in a hurry here, and um, I really feel like maybe we should just part ways. And she was like, yeah, I totally agree, like no problem, I'm going to take it off MLS, just, you know, leave my signs on the side of the house or whatever. So we did. And that's when everything took off. So... At that point in time, I just was like, Lord, like, do we find a new realtor? Like, what do we do? And I never really felt the need to grab another one. So I was like, okay, Lord, well, I'm just going to go and do what I do. And I, you know, start posting on Facebook and we paid for advertising and I paid a flat rate broker to put it up on MLS. Um, you know, we went out, I had signs made that were posted on our main street and in front of our yard. You know, we posted on, no joke, probably 50 different real estate websites and just local websites for cities here in Weatherford and Odessa and Austin and Fort Worth, just anywhere where realtors could see it. Because we still wanted them to know, hey, we're still offering that 3%, you know, buyer's agent commission. Well, this is where it got kind of weird. So in the middle of all of this, this takes about a week. 
So we've done this now for about a week. We're sitting and the unthinkable happens, right? Um, I say unthinkable from my standpoint because I don't really watch the news. I didn't really expect this, but interest rates took another complete jump. And I'll put it to you this way. Our current home price, we got at 3.5% interest rate, right? When we were looking at houses in Odessa, we were looking at houses that were $50,000 less than what we currently bought our house at now. Because the interest rate when we were looking at Odessa was 6.5%. It would be almost $600 a month in our rental expenses for that house. Now, this is the kicker. Those interest rates are now up in the 7% or more. But really, it kind of just depends on what poison you want to take. You know, we can get into a house soon and pay those high interest rates and eventually, you know, refinance and get that equity back in the house. Or we can try to wait it out and get houses at a lower market. But, you know, as soon as those interest rates drop, those housing prices are going to go crazy because people are going to be overbidding on houses. So really, it's going to be whatever poison you want to take at this point. But at that point in time, we're like, okay, Lord, like, we're going to choose to focus in on you. We're not going to choose to focus in on these high interest rates as best we can. And the part I think that's hard about this situation, too, is like here in the part of Texas where we're at, the market's pretty cold. So there's not a whole lot of people buying houses. But where we're moving in Odessa, the market is hot and it's consistently hot. Um, there's a lot of oil field workers out there. So for us right now, it's just kind of a double negative. And I mean, literally, the odds are just against us. So if we were to sell in this market, it literally could only be by the hand of God. <laughs> so that was two weeks ago when all of this happened. And I'm not going to lie to you. We've probably dropped our house price two or three times at this point. And I just started asking God, like, Lord, what can I do in this season to stay obedient in faith? Because, you know, you've been showing me through people and through many different facets, you know, what kind of a land you're bringing us into. And I need to know what I need to do, like in this waiting season. And honestly, if I could just wrap up everything I'm fixing to tell you today, it's going to be this single word, faith. And the Lord knows I have faith. I mean, honestly, that's, I did a spiritual um, gift test. You can do them free online. Our church always recommends doing them, you know, every couple of months. And my greatest one that I've had every single time I've taken it is faith. And, you know, this season is a different type of testing of faith, faith that I didn't realize I struggled with. And, you know, in order for me to go deep into this, I really feel like I need to show you some bullet points that the Lord is showing me. So, I'm going to ask you now to grab a notebook and a pen because everything I'm fixing to tell you and share with you about this season of faith testing, I believe, will help you and encourage you to strengthen you today. So in order for me to tell you what he's been showing me, I need to back it up a little bit and give you some backstory as always. And I need to tell you about two separate promises that God promised me over 10 years ago. So the very first one is when we moved to Weatherford. Um, we were, you know, trying out different churches and we were trying to figure out like which church is best for us. And we tried out this church called New River. It's in the Hudson Oaks area of Weatherford. And um, I'll never forget it. We came from Abilene at a church out there called Beltway, which I highly recommend Beltway. I love Beltway. Um, I grew up in a church called Gateway in near Grapevine growing up. So um, it was very similar. And New River made me think of both of those churches. And I remember stepping foot we kind of came late so it was dark by the time we got in there and I remember stepping foot in New River and I just clear as a bell heard almost as if God was in my ear he said Brittany you're gonna help build a church and I remember like turning to Garrison by the time we got to our seat and I was crying 
And he's like, what's wrong with you? Thinking like, I don't know, I was really loving the song or something. And I was like, God just told me I'm going to help build a church. And he's like, what? Like he didn't, you know, he didn't really know what to say about that. Um, And I'm not going to lie to you. The last couple of years, I've really tried to ask God to clarify that because, I mean, you think about building a church. I think about, you know, financially, are we tithing to help build a church? Are we physically helping build a church with our hands? You know, are we spiritually helping by inviting people to church? You know, how are we going to do that, Lord? And I'll be honest, he has not answered me on that. I can't tell you um, what all that means. I might not get to see that until, you know, the end of my days. But that is something that he has promised that I will get to help do. And then the second one happened this year. And I actually went back in my Bible to find the date for you guys because I wrote it in my Bible. It was April 27th at 1.21 a.m. this year. And what had happened was my husband went down to the border. And there are some nights, y'all, where I just struggled to fall asleep. And it happens a lot when my husband is gone. I've been suffering from a lot of not sleeping well with him now in Odessa, if I'm just going to be completely honest with you. But that particular night, I was just restless. And I have my, you know, everybody loves TikTok. I have my TikTok. And my TikTok now, the algorithm has it to where, like, literally 98% of my stuff is just Christian. And on occasion, I might find a funny animal or a baby laughing or something that just makes me happy. But for the most part, it's Christian. And... I was watching this video of this young lady. She was doing like a TED Talk kind of a thing, but it was in like a round group setting. So she's like got four people on the couch with her. She's talking about the Lord. And something happened that I have never seen in real in real life. Um, she starts talking and then like the Holy Spirit kind of came upon her. And I could just tell through the phone that the Lord was speaking. Just the way that her, you know, mannerisms changed as she was talking, the way that the words were worded. You could just tell it reflected the way the Bible was written. And I was like, the Holy Spirit speaking to her right now. Like, I totally see that. And she said something and she was just like, I need my people to pray. And so I'm not, a, I'll be honest with you. I have a hard time praying. That's something the Lord is helping me with this year. And so I got out of bed in the middle of the night and I closed my eyes and I just started praying. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit kind of came upon me that night. And I've told you guys in the past where I have spoken in tongues and that night I did. But this time it was so different. Um, you know, normally when I'm crying, and I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking over stuff for myself. But this time I started speaking out loud. And what I was saying out loud was your people, your people, your people. And I realized that I was legit, like full on wailing, crying for God's people. And I realized in that moment too, that the Lord was allowing me to see how he feels knowing that half of his children will not go with him to heaven. And I just, it was overwhelming. You know, I think about it now and it was just like that heartbreak. I've never had heartbreak feel like that before. And it is, it's a feeling I'll never forget. And something else that happened that night that was so weird was normally when I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking in a foreign language. I do not know what I'm saying. Um, But the Lord allowed me that night to, I would think something and then it would come out my mouth. And he allowed me to know that whatever I was thinking in my head was what I was saying out of my mouth, even though I did not know the language I was speaking. And one thing I kept saying in English in my, I guess in my head was I'm standing in the doorway. I'm standing in the doorway. I'm standing in the doorway. And later when everything was done, I probably did this an hour. Um, it was probably like midnight when all that took place. So at 1.21 a.m., I started, you know, looking through the Bible at what that meant because I feel like I'd heard that before. And the Lord drew me to two spots in the Bible. 
The first one is in Revelations, and it was Revelations 3.20. And it says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And the second one was a little longer. And I think this one was more specifically to me in general, because I'll be honest with you guys. I hadn't told a lot of people this, but I have been praying for God to use me like he uses the prophets in the Old Testament. I asked him if, you know, if a woman like myself could become a person in the world that would be seen as a prophet, but not for my own glory. It's not for me to be exalted, but more of me to be humbled and allow him to do what he needs to do on earth and just allow me to be that vessel. And so he brought me to two places in Ezekiel. The first one is Ezekiel 2, and it's verses 3 through 7. And this is where I had written in my Bible the time. And this is what it says. Stand up, son of man, said the voice. I want to speak with you. The spirit came into me as he spoke, and he set me on my feet. I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this day. They are a stubborn and hard-hearted people, but I am sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, for remember, they are rebels. At least they will know they have had a prophet among them. Son of man, do not fear them or their words. Do, excuse me, don't be afraid, even though their threats surround you like nettles and briars and stinging scorpions. Do not be dismayed by their dark scowls, even though they are rebels. You must give them my messages, whether they listen or not. But they won't listen, for they are certainly and completely rebellious. And in verses 3, three excuse me, it's uh, chapter 3, verses 4 through 11 states this. Son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my messages. I am not sending you to a foreign people whose languages you cannot understand. No, I am sending you to a people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they would listen. But the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they listen to me. For the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. But look, I have made you as abstinent and hard-hearted as they are. I have made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. So don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they are rebels. Then he added, Son of man, let all of my words sink deep into your heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Do this whether they listen to you or not. And when God showed me that, I was like, crap, man, I'm fixing to go. (laughs) I knew that he was fixing to use me to go talk to people who do not want to listen to what I have to say. And I don't know if he's using this podcast to do that now or if this podcast will lead to something further. But, you know, a couple of months even after that, he was telling me through different ways that my tongue would be used to speak to people. And so, you know, those two promises have now been given to me. And in this season, you know, I I, I feel like I am coming out of this wilderness season. And um, it's taken, you know, two years. And it's so crazy how these last two weeks, God has just started to download so much more information and just allowing it to comfort me But he also is allowing it for me to share with you this revelation of what he's fixing to do. So now I'm going to bring us to the exciting part of what I was going to tell you all today. So get your pen ready. 
But I want to start out, and I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to recommend this book that we're going through right now. It's a very small and compact little book. Ladies, you will love it because it will fit in your purse. <laughs> but it's called The Jordan River Rules, and it's by Robert J. Morgan. Um, I mistakenly left this at my house today, but I'm going to tell you about this little story that I read in there the other day. And I think it's super encouraging because sometimes as we're going through certain seasons, it feels like we're not making a difference or we're not doing um, the things that God wants us to do. But in actuality, it's God doing you know, using those ashes for beauty, like we've talked about before, and him turning around and saying, you know, I can use anything that goes the way that you think is a mess up, but really I had it orchestrated that way the whole time. So there was a gentleman in the book, and it talks about how his goal was to go to this very small village and spread the gospel. And so, you know, he saved up all this money, uh, or just that he raised all this money, and went to, it was a little, um, little place in Uganda, and he gets stopped at like border patrol and it delays his whole thing. So by the time he gets released from border patrol, he is walking literally through this wilderness and these tiny little paths that follow along a river. And longer the short, it gets dark. He loses his footing and he falls into the river and he's in the river for a very long time. He finally gets out of the river and he meets the foreigners there. They pull him out and they start gasping. They're like, oh, it's a white man who's come out of this river. They call him the pale face or something. And um, they pull him out and they start asking, do you have the golden leaves? And of course, you know, the gentleman's confused by this. He doesn't understand. And so they bring in this medicine man and the medicine man keeps doing his hands like open and closing like a book. And so the guy's kind of looking at him and um, the young man who all this is happening to, he goes off to himself and he prays and he feels that he needs to dry off the Bible that he brought with him. So he brings out his torn Bible he opens it up and lets it dry out. And the cool thing about his Bible is the edges of it are golden color. And so when he opened his Bible to dry it off, all these people in the tent that were watching him started gasping. He has the golden leaves. He has the golden leaves. And they finally are able to translate that generations before there was a man who had received a vision that a pale faced man would come out of the river bearing the golden leaves. And the golden leaves would tell them the truth that would set everybody free. And so he ended up, you know, preaching to the small, um, the small, you know, tribe of people. You know, hundreds of them were saved, and that brought the gospel to that part of the country. So I share that with you because this book is really small. The chapters are very short, and it's super encouraging. Um, there was a book that um, Mr. Morgan wrote as well called Red River Rules. That was the prequel to this book. I highly recommend it, especially if you feel like you're going through a wilderness season. Um, they are great encouragements. It's very quick truths. And of course, everything is tied back into the Bible. So one thing that the Lord has been declaring to me probably 10 times over the last two weeks is that I am going from a wilderness season to my promised land. And the Lord as late as yesterday was showing me something amazing. So let's get our Bibles out, and I want us to go to Exodus 13, 17. Now, I didn't remember this part of the testimony of Moses bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. You know, at this point in the story, Moses has started leading them out after the firstborns were all killed, and Pharaoh has told them to go. But our Bible states this, listen. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a the battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. 
So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Let me tell you, when I read that, I started crying. And I bet you're like, why? Let me tell you. How many times have we become frustrated knowing that we had to go the long way from point A to point B? I am incredibly stubborn and I am struggling in this right now. And if I'm transparent with you guys, I thought when God called me out of my job, the next thing would be ready for me. You know, all pretty gift wrap, little pretty bow, just come on, Brittany, come use me. No, (laughs) God had me face some huge things right out of leaving, but it wasn't anything that I thought that would make me want to go back to nursing. But it made me think of this, you know, maybe God didn't have me face anything super detrimental right out of nursing or else I would have just hightailed it right back. And, you know, in some way, this waiting period now for our house to be sold and to move on to Odessa really makes me wonder, am I bypassing a battle that I do not see coming? Like, will it pass before I even get to go out there? And I just never know. So... Later on in that same chapter, we're going to go down a little bit down to chapter 14 and verse 4. The Lord explains this. He said, I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And that took me by surprise. You know, not only did God want to do this miraculous thing for the Israelites to know that the God that they have been, been believing in for years was real and true and right there with them. But he did it to prove to the Egyptians also just how powerful of a God he is. And, you know, I want to I want to ask you a question. And I wonder how many of us, if we take this time to truly think about this question. But what if your season of waiting, you know, to take this next step wasn't actually for you? But it was to show others the belief in God. You know, would that change your mindset on how long you have to wait? Which brings me to my first point. How well are you waiting? You know, one thing the Lord is showing me this season is that our pain is not in vain. You know, we forget about some of the people in the Bible who learned to wait long periods of time. You know, the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. The Israelites then waited in the desert 40 years until they reached that promised land. And, you know, Abraham was 100 years old when he had Isaac. But going back to Moses and the Red Sea, and, you know, the Israelites are seeing Pharaoh's army come straight at them. And they start wailing out to God. And Moses, in rebuttal, says this to them. He says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And the Lord himself will fight for you. And that's easier said than done, right? You know, we see our problems head on or they're surrounding us. And as we do, you know, we need to remember that God's timing is just not our own. And when he is ready to move, nothing and no one can stop him. He is sovereign, just, and faithful to just be there with us. Now, what I found confusing is what verse said after this. It said in the next verse, and we're still in Exodus 14, verse 15. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. 
Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Did you catch what happened here? Moses said, watch and see what God does. But God's response was, why are you crying out to me? Move. Now, don't get me wrong in what I'm saying. I want to clarify something. I think blind faith, no matter how big or how small or how, out, how often we've had to use it, it takes two things, trust and action. The Israelites had to trust in God's to be faithful to his word, but they also had to move in that faith. We can have one or the other all day, but I believe God requires both from us. Warren Wiersbe says this so adequately. He says, if we are to conquer the enemy and claim our inheritance in Christ, we must have spiritual strength and spiritual courage. And I can totally see how God is relating this to our season. You know, we have been reflecting this week on what ways we have been showing God our trust and moving forward anyway. I mean, it was revealed to me that we had stopped looking at houses in Odessa when we hadn't gotten any traffic here on our house. So just this week, we started looking again at houses, you know, praying for the Lord to reveal to us which house he had planned for us, knowing, you know, we still hadn't had any traffic at our house and trusting God to be that God of miracles we talked about a couple weeks ago. Now, I want us to fast forward a little bit in the Bible, and we're going to go to Joshua. So you remember Joshua, right? He was one of the 12 spies that were sent out into the promised land, and he was one of the two, the other one being Caleb, to say, yes, let's go forth the land the Lord has given us, this promised land. Well, you know, like I said, the Lord has been showing me that he is fixing to use this season uh, for us in our promised land. And I kind of believe in some ways that he is sending Garrison, my husband, out to kind of scout the land for us before we come. Now, as we know about Joshua's story, you know, even though they were the minority, the majority won the battle. So, you know, they ended up not going into the promised land. They got fearful because they saw giants. And, you know, as a result of that, the Lord allowed the Israelites to basically be in the desert for 40 years. And that's something that the Lord brought to my attention, too, was that, you know, although Joshua did everything right. You know, he went and scouted the land. He came back. He tried to encourage his men. Hey, let's go forward. The Lord has promised this to us. He still had to wait 40 years to go into the promised land, although he did everything right. Can you imagine having to wait 40 years for a promise that was given to you, even though you did everything right? And the Bible tells us that during those 40 years, in order for Joshua to stay faithful in what he did, he worked. So my second point today is this. How are you working? You know, we learned that Joshua worked as Moses' his right-hand man, and he would eventually lead the people to the promised land and take Jericho. But he needed time, trust, faith, and a mentoring season to be ready to lead. And this, and this you know, season for me, too, has been a mentoring season of sorts, you know, one being in these last two weeks as we're, you know, battling those higher interest rates and there's no bites on our house. I'm declaring to anybody who asks me, hey, how's the house going? You know, I say nothing yet, but, you know, God has a plan. And you know what? Moments like that are hard. You know, I would even go as far as to say sometimes they kind of suck to have to be able to say that. And I know that sounds like such an awful answer, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, it's hard. I want to be able to be like, you know, yes, we've had so many bites and there's so many people come in and we can't wait. 
Um, but the Lord is showing his faithfulness. I'm showing my faithfulness and my trust and my my reliance that God's promises will come true by saying, you know what? I don't see it yet, but it doesn't mean I don't see it at all. It's coming. It's just taking some time. And, you know, I get encouraged when I listen to James 1, 3 in the Bible because it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And this is true, (laughs) but I'll be honest, it doesn't make it any easier. And I was studying in my little Warren Wiersbe commentary thing uh, this week, and he said something too that took me by surprise, and I want to share it. He said, the first step towards winning the battle and claiming your inheritance is to let God encourage us and then for us to encourage others. And I'm really trying to take that to heart in this season. You know, I want to look back one day and say, it was such a season of refining for me. But the one thing I never lost sight of was the promise that my God would come through for me and that my story can be an encouragement for others to come. So when you're in these seasons, really take time to encourage others. You know, continue to work for the kingdom. Because I'll be honest, and I want to just be blatant here, I completely gave that up when I first started this. The moment we found out that we thought we were moving, I literally put everything on hold. I mean, I called my church and said, I'm sorry, I can no longer volunteer. I gave my little side job at the coffee trailer my two weeks notice. Side note, if you ever watch our Nothing But a Stone TikTok page, you'll know what I'm talking about here. Uh, third, I put this podcast on hold. You want to know why I was gone for two weeks? That's that's the honest to goodness truth as to what happened. And then, you know, we shut, shut down our Etsy shop and everything. So everything went on hold. And then God does what God does best. And he corrected me. He literally told me one morning, I need to keep working And he had me write this down. And I'm going to literally tell it to you verbatim the way that he had me write it down. This is what I wrote. I put, sometimes it's simply believing his promises. We've put our house up on the market, dedicated our lives and job to him and our children. We have physically done and verbally said what we want to do for the Lord. And we have said what we want the Lord to do for us. But sometimes we forget the most simple task, belief. Belief in God what he can do, and what he is doing for us right here, right now. And then I cross-referenced this with Romans 8.28, which says, And as we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. So in other words, we can do all the right things from a worldly perspective. You know, you're getting ready for God to move. But are we forgetting the most fundamental basis of just forgetting that We need to believe that he can do it. And, you know, I asked God to really help me understand that because I was having a hard time like, Lord, I'm believing you, but I need to understand what you mean. Like, what am I not doing correctly here? And he brought me to these two verses. The first is 2 Chronicles 20, 20. And it says, They rose up early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets. And then the second one was in 1 Kings 8.56. And it says, Praise the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. 
Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises he gave through his servant, Moses. My point with this being, when you're in a season of waiting for God to move, a refining season, don't put the kingdom of God on hold to move forward. Keep your trust, remember your fundamental belief of what God's word says, and that it never returns void of power. And remember the simple promises of God. God is going to do what he says he will. And in all things, work as if you are working for the Lord. For we have been moving forward and trusting the Lord to move with us. Because remember, faith without works is dead. So lastly, this is my third point. Where is your faith? You know, something that never ceases to surprise me is how good God provides and how that encourages my faith. You know, one of the neat things I've learned over these last two weeks is how God provided manna in the desert. I mean, we all know the story, right? You know, he allowed the manna to come down. They would gather it in the morning, and they were only allowed to gather as much as they needed for the day. And on Saturday, they would gather a double portion because Sunday would not fall. Um, but what I didn't realize was that when the Lord gave Joshua those specific instructions um, in order to move the Ark of the Covenant over the Jordan River and into the Promised Land, the second that the priest's feet touched the Promised Land, the manna never fell again. And you know, I had a moment this week where I wanted to cross-reference the word manna. I wanted to know a little bit more about it. But I had been praying that morning, too, about what works I could be doing in the meantime. You know, Lord, do I, do I, do I really need, you know, I'm working for the kingdom. I'm back in the podcast. You know, I'm doing, you know, step by step, getting back into my habits of my day to day. But is there any other works I need to be doing? And when I was cross-referencing that manna verse, I ended up in John 6, 28 through 29. And it says, They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. And I I thought it was kind of funny, a little farther down in in that Bible, on that same page, I had highlighted the following verse. My father is always working, and so am I. I guess you could say that this honestly has been the hardest task. To just sit down and say, okay, God, take the wheel. And from that moment on, I honestly have not felt a need to share our house on Facebook, Instagram, or any other part of online. And that is not an easy feeling, guys. You know, in my opinion, I'm such a go-getter. I feel like if I don't get it out there, then we will never move. And it's really, really hard when I see house after house after house go under contract. But I also know I serve a God who can create dry ground in the middle of rivers or seas. And I I choose to hold fast to that. And you want to know a fun fact? Um, When the Israelites, you know, reached that Jordan River, it was at flood stage. And from what I've learned about from referencing about the Jordan River is that it now sits at like 30% of what it used to be. But at the time of Joshua, they say it was 100 feet across. And this might not seem, you know, as a grandeur and amazing things like the parting of the Red Sea. But I assure you, it was still a sight to behold. 
you know, Pastor Stephen Furtick does a really good sermon about this whole thing. He brought it to our attention, you know, the detail that God had to go through all of these things in order to stop the river upstream so that it wouldn't flow at just the right time that the priest's feet touched this water's edge. And this is seen in Joshua 3, 15 through 17. I'm going to read this to you to kind of reference your brain a little bit. It was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over the town of Jericho. You know, Stephen Furtick also said something, and I have been holding on to this in this season. He said, faith is believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. I'm going to say that one more time just because I want it to sink in. He said, faith is believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. You know, and I'm sure at the time of this happening, everyone was so excited and in awe. But, you know, imagine us today getting to really think about what all God had to do in advance to make that possible for them to go into the promised land. And so I'm going to ask you, what is stopping you from going into the promised land right now? Is it unbelief? Is it trust issues? Are you having issues in your faith? Or maybe nothing. You know, maybe God's timing is just a little longer than what we want. Warren, Wis- Warren Wiersbe, you know, I just love him. And he says this too. He says, unbelief says, let's go back to where it's safe. But faith says, let's go forward to where God is working. Are you excited? to go forward? Are you trusting, working, believing in the full faith of what he said over you? You know, I hope and want to keep that blind faith for the rest of my life. Joshua tells us in 116, he says, everything you have commanded us, we will do. And everywhere you send us, we will go. Or Hebrews 11.1 says, To have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for or to be certain of the things we cannot see. So you know what I do every day now? I wake up and I make the beds in our home. I spot clean our house. I turn on my lamps. I spray some good stuff in the house before I walk out that door because I know at any moment God will send some people to buy it. So how can we work to have that kind of blind faith that overcomes every obstacle we face? Truth? We remember the God who stands beside us in the fire and in the waiting. I want to end this episode today just reminding you and encouraging you that you can do hard things. I have to die to self daily, (laughs) y'all. Hourly sometimes. Especially in this season. Today, This has truly been one of my hardest refining times in my life. To learn to wait well, have faith, continue to work for the kingdom in the waiting, and trusting God's promises for myself. It requires all of that. And honestly, 
He deserves that from me and so much more. And we may fail, y'all. I do. More times a day than I would like to be honest about. But you today listening, you know, before this breakthrough is going to happen, I can tell you even now, I know my God will show up for me. And when he does this miraculous, out-of-the-box way thing, I cannot wait to come back on here and just share with you all the amazing things our God is going to do for me and he's going to do for you. He loves you and wants to give his children good things. And I remind myself a lot about what the Bible says about suffering for a little while. But joy comes in the morning. Before we leave, I'm going to read a little um, daily devotional I have. I have this little book here. It's called I Hear His Whisper. It's Encounter Encounter God's Heart for You. Um, It's by Broad Street. I found it online. And I wanted to read you the little excerpt. What I love about it is it's written from the perspective of God talking to his children. This one was called Your Battles Have Become Mine. The enemy has come like a flood to drown you in heartache and disillusionment. It has felt like a never-ending battle. You have stood, you have prayed, you have done all you know to do, yet you're not seeing the breakthrough. Beloved, I have come to tell you, though you are weary, do not faint. Though your heart aches, release the pain to me. I am planning the victory. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life in abundance. Your battles have become my battles. Don't be deceived by what you see. The enemy wants to trick you into thinking he's one, that nothing will ever change unless it gets worse. But he's a liar. Stop listening to him. Look at me, beloved. Just because you don't see what I am doing doesn't mean I'm not orchestrating your breakthrough. You're staring at the circumstances, but I am calling you to rise above them and declare your victory in advance, even if you've done it a million times. Right now, I am breathing hope into you again, and I have gone before you with a roar, and I am breaking open the way. And then this uh, writer is going to reference Psalm 56, 8-9, through 9, which says, You've kept track of all my wondering and my weeping. You've stored my many tears in your bottle, and not one will be lost. For they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. The very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, God is on my side. So let me leave you today with this verse. It's Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. And it states, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing these revelations to me so that my story could be a testimony to your goodness, faithfulness, and love. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing that we do and do not see. Thank you for allowing me to give you glory today ahead of what you're going to do. And Father, please provide to those who are struggling in this season 
help them to remain strong and courageous. Your word quotes that exact phrase 30 times in Joshua, one for each day of the month. I pray we hold on to it in this phase, this week, this hour. Lord, please help us to seek you in all things. Help us to stay afloat when the rivers rise and remember that you are in there with us. And above all, let us be an example for your kingdom come. I pray for those listening today to be encouraged and to remember that they are not alone. You love them, Lord, and want the best for them. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.